Okay, we need to get started because we are going to try to do some ambitious work today, but I know I need to do a little review as well. So we have a few seconds for spiritual preparation, and spiritual preparation is your just a few, just maybe a 30 seconds of private time for confession of sins. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that puts us in fellowship so that we can actually, so that God and the Holy Spirit can assist us in our study. So let's take just a few seconds, closing our eyes, bowing our heads, and then I'll open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for our opportunity to study the Word of God this morning. We pray that God and the Holy Spirit would guide us in our study, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We have progressed in Ezra. The first class, we studied the introduction and chapter 1. And last week, we studied chapter 2 and 3. So we're ready for chapter 4. But what we have to understand as we prepare to study chapter 4, we, we should be firmly, uh, have firmly in our grasp the history here because we are going to see names, uh, names uh, to which we've been introduced, but we need to remember them. Uh, so today... Ezra 4 and 5. We're going to see the, uh, the adverse, adversary's opposition and the ministry of Haggai and Zechariah. And what I do plan um, to accomplish is to go over to the book of Haggai. And there, it's a, a book that has two chapters, but it talks about this period of time. So... Let's see if we can find our timeline. I'm I'm using this. It's a graphic from the Bible Knowledge Commentary as a sort of a timeline for us. Remember last week, I think I reviewed this, that we have deportations just prior to and at the destruction of Jerusalem. So, in 605 B.C., and remember, we're coming, B.C. is reverse time. So, we're coming from 700 to 600 to 500. This was our first deportation. And then we had another deportation in 597. And then finally, the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Now, the 70 years of captivity, which we see up here, is going, and we, we studied Jeremiah's um, prophecy of the 70 years, so that Daniel, as he's observing this in Babylon, he and, that's where he and Ezekiel are, he realizes that they are coming down to the latter part during his later life, the latter part of his life, the 70 years is counting down. And 70 years, we would say, if we begin the 70 years in this vicinity, we could say that the 70 years ends in 535 B.C. And it can be anywhere in there, but that's approximately the 70 years. So, we've just seen the captivity, the 70 years of captivity brings us to 535. And 535 or 538, somewhere in that vicinity, is when Cyprus, or excuse me, Cyrus, not Cyprus, Cyrus, if we look on page, excuse me, uh, Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, It says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, 
the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, that the word of uh, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it into writing. Now, this first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, is the first year that he had conquered Babylon. It's the year that he became the ruler not only of the Medo-Persia Empire, but also the Babylon Empire, Babylonian Empire. So our time here is about 539. About 539, and he is going to uh, decree that the temple back in Jerusalem should be rebuilt. Now some of this is maybe a little bit fast or a little bit uh, unfamiliar to you, but I'm trying to give us this historical background so that when Zerubbabel comes to Jerusalem, he's going to begin in Jerusalem the construction in approximately 535. And Zerubbabel will be rebuilding the temple until 515 B.C. 515 is when the temple will be dedicated. During that period, we have two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And today we will look, we will turn to Haggai and see what happens here. So you can see that during this first period, during this first temple period, we are going to cover from 535 to 515. And we've we've discussed much of that in chapters 1, 2, and 3. So, that at the end of last week's study, we saw the beginning of the construction of the temple. Remember, they laid the foundation and everyone cheered and there were some who were weeping because they remembered what the temple, the previous temple, uh, remembered the glory of that previous temple, which was Solomon's temple. And that helps us to connect these two periods. When Jerusalem was destroyed... This was a deportation. And in this deportation is is Ezekiel. This is a deportation. Daniel was involved in that one. When Jerusalem is... Jerusalem is destroyed, we have individuals being deported who will return with Zerubbabel in 535. So this is not like centuries and centuries later. It's Some of them were only gone maybe 50 years. And so they remember what, that temp, what Solomon's temple looked like before it was destroyed. And some of them wept because they realized the glory of the previous temple was was not going to be achieved. This temple was not going to have that kind of glory. Now, in your introduction, it says chapter Ezra chapter 1 at the top, but it says introduction to Ezra. If you would turn to the page, it says principal characters. Principal characters... And I've given you Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon when 
all three deportations occurred and Jerusalem was destroyed. You can see Nebuchadnezzar 605 to 662 B.C. Then below that, we're going to see Nabonidus was the last king of Babylon. Uh, He actually didn't reside in the city. His, uh, His son... Belshazzar did, and Belshazzar was the one that saw the handwriting on the wall when Babylon is destroyed. Cyrus the Great, the king of the Medo-Persian Empire, is the first ruler not only of the United Persian Empire, but he is also the one that incorporates Babylon into the Persian Empire. And he is the one in Ez... um, Ezra 1.1 that decrees that the temple in Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt and Zerubbabel comes back to make to begin that construction. The next ruler there is Cambyses II. We don't see uh, much of him in scripture. Uh, he only rules for a short period of time uh, eight years here, and we're going to see that uh, the next king that's important to us is Darius the Great, and he rules from 522 to 486. And if you look at our time up here, you'll notice that that is where Darius is. Darius is right here during the rebuilding phase of the temple. Behind him is going to be Xerxes I, and behind him Artaxerxes I, and then Darius II. We are mostly interested today in Darius the Great, but we will see two more names. We'll see Xerxes I, and we'll also see Artaxerxes I. So if you just have this beside you as we go, I think it'll make a little more sense. All right, there's, that's sort of a quick review of what we have. I'm going to leave this on the, the slot, this slide up, and let's see what we can do. All right, we know in chapter 3 we've laid the foundation of the temple. There's going to be two... We're going to be concerned with two uh, phases of the construction. The temple, which is also going to be called the house of God, and the city, or the walls, sort of going together. And these are two different constructions. All right. Let's start out in Ezra, and let me read, beginning in verse 10 of chapter 3. Let's just go back to chapter 3 for a minute and pick it up in verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to God. For And this is how they sang responsibly. One of them, one group, sang, For he is good. And then the other group would sing, For his mercy endures forever. And we saw that this is... Uh, we believe that this is taken from Psalm 136. And we went back to Psalm 136 and we, we, we noticed that. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So this is just the foundation. This is not the completion of the construction. Twelve, but many of the priests and Levites and heads of the Father's house, old men, who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy. 
so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Now remember, the shouting, of course, is the joy that we now are going to build the temple again. But there's also weeping because the glory of this temple is going to be uh, very much diminished compared to the glory of the of Solomon's temple. All right, now, beginning in uh, verse 1 of chapter 4. And let me read down through these opening verses to at least verse 5. Now, when the adversaries, and that's an important word there, or the enemies, we have to understand who these people are. Now, when the adversaries, the opponents, the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity, the exile, were building the temple of the those who had been exiled, were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, as you, as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esar Haddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now you'll notice that these are the adversaries, the enemies, who come and say, Let us build with you, for we seek your God. Verse 3. But Zerubbabel and Yeshua, and we've noticed that this is also, we'll see it also uh, in the really the English translation, which is Joshua, Yeshua, Joshua. And the rest of the heads of the houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then... The people of the land, and the people of the land is another phrase or a word for the enemies, the adversaries here. Then the adversaries, the people of the land, tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose, their plan, we could say. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, and now we remember it was Cyrus who sent them back, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So, we have uh, this beginning during the time of Cyrus, and it continues into Darius, king of Persia, and this Darius, king of Persia, is Darius the Great. And... From our timetable, we saw that Darius ranged from 522 to 486. So it enters into this period right into here. All right. Now, let me go back just briefly and pick this up, talk a little bit about it. The adversaries of Judah here are the Sumerians. And you'll remember that when the northern kingdom, We're not talking about the southern kingdom now because there is a difference. The northern kingdom its capital was Samaria. And it was destroyed in 722 B.C. It was destroyed by the Assyrians. So, Samaria destroyed by the Assyrians. And when they were destroyed, they took captives from the northern kingdom. These are the ten northern tribes and resettled them throughout the Assyrian Empire. And they brought from the Assyrian Empire people to be resettled in the northern kingdom. So in the northern kingdom, 
we don't have, uh, or what we do have, is people that are intermarried. And because the capital that was destroyed in 722 was named Samaria, that, the northern kingdom, becomes known as Samaria, and those living there become known as Samarians. And when we say the word Samarians, we're not talking about Jews who happened to be living in Samaria prior to the uh, destruction of the northern kingdom, which we could have very easily called them. But it's a technical term, meaning for those who uh, who are of mixed marriage. So, those now who are being called Samaritans are not of, we would say they, they are not pure-blooded Jews. So they are mixed. And they were settled up there over a period of time. And we're going to see that um, the first uh, ruler that actually conquered uh, Samaria in 722 was the V, and then Sargon II. But Esarhaddon is the son of Sargon, so he is the one that this group remembers. And we see that in verse 2. They came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. That's who they remember. That's the king of Syria that they remember. All right. So these are not uh, Jews that are living in and around Judah, but these are Sumerians who have come down from the north and said to them, we would like to assist you. But notice they are the adversaries. They're enemies. So they're duplicious in their approach. What they really want to do is to merge with them but then cause problems, and we could say slowdowns or difficulties, so that this work would not be productive. It's their enemies. And Zerubbabel and the priests here, Yeshua or Joshua, and the, the rest of the heads of the fathers in verse 3, they understand this. They know who is here. They know the uh, intent of the Sumerians. And they say to them, You shall do nothing with us to build a house for our God. But we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. So it's sort of, we remember, we're here, remember we're here because of Esau had, and they sort of drop that name. And Zerubbabel says, That may be, But the Assyrian Empire is gone, and we're here because of Cyrus. We've been told, and we have the authority from Cyrus to build the temple. And so we're following that, and we don't want your help. He understands the idea here. So the first plan for the Samaritans, for the enemies here, was to merge with them and cause problems. That doesn't work. Second plan. tactic would be found in verse 4. Then the people of the land, the Samaritans, their enemies, tried to discourage the people of Judah. And the word there for discourage, or it's a phrase, it's correctly translated, discouraged, but literally it means to make weak the hands of. It's a great Hebrew uh, phrase uh, that we would see here. So the people of the land tried to make weak the hands of the people of Judah. And they troubled them in building. And the troubling here tries to uh, discourage them. That's a very good word here. One is to dishearten, to discourage, and, or to make weak, and the other one is to dishearten or to discourage. So their second plan here is to do everything they can, various means to discourage them. And so how did they do that? Well, they hired counselors, Uh, lawyers would be probably a good word for today, against them to break, to frustrate, to break their purpose, to break their, their plans all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. All right, so what we have here is soon after they arrived, even after they laid the foundation, there's going to be resistance. 
continued resistance here from the time of Cyrus's reign right into the time of Darius. So we go right through Cambyses' reign, eight years, right into to Darius's reign. Now, I want you to jump over to verse 24. So we're going from verse 5 over to verse 24 in chapter 4. Verse 24 says, Thus the work of the house of God, remember the temple here, which is at Jerusalem, ceased. And it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So, the efforts to discourage the work continues into the, to the period of reign of Darius, which we saw begins in 522. And it says here that the work is going to cease until the second year. So, in about five. 21, 520, we're going to see that it says, verse 24 says that the, uh, the work ceased until that year. So, the Samaritans, the enemies, are successful. They are able to bring the work on the temple to a halt very early, or very early after they've arrived, the uh, uh, the children from children of Israel from uh, Babylon have arrived. They start to build. The Samaritans discourage them, and they manage to to uh, interrupt the work until the second year of Darius. Now, what we have between. Verse 5 and verse 24 is a parenthesis. Verses 6 through 23 is a parenthesis. And we believe that Ezra is writing this. And what Ezra does is he is now going to give us a summary of the letters that were written during um, not only this period of time, but the period of time that extends all the way down into the time when the wall was rebuilt. And so as we read this, we're going to read temple and we're going to read city and we're going to read walls but we ha- and we're going to read about various rulers. We just simply have to realize that Ezra has gathered them all up and placed them in this chapter. So if we want to deal chronologically, we have to jump from verse 5 to verse 24. But logically according to Ezra, I should put these letters together so you you can read all these letters together. That's what Ezra does. And in verse 6, it says, In the reign of Ahasuerus, and that is Xerxes. So, during the reign of Ahasuerus, Xerxes... So we go to our chart and we see this is Xerxes I, and he reigns from 486 to 465. So here is going to be that first letter. Now remember, don't say, well, now wait a minute, we've, we've already gotten beyond this. Well, this is because this is a parenthesis. We're in a parenthesis, and all we're going to do now is just review these letters, this resistance. We know there's resistance up to beginning during the time of Cyrus and extending into the time of Darius. And we saw in verse 24 that interruption, there is going to be an interruption of the, the building of the temple, but it will resume during the period, the, the second year of Darius. Darius is ruling right in here. So about 520, it's going to resume, and it will be completed in 515. That's the temple. But now let's read, let's just read the uh, summary that, Ezra gives us. And in the reign of um, Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. In the days of Artaxerxes, also, here we have the next ruler, 
So we have the next ruler, Artaxerxes, who reigned from 465 to 424. That takes us all the way to the end, beyond off of our chart, or at least beyond 432. Bishlam, Mithradath, Tabel, and the rest of their company, companion, companions wrote to Artaxerxes, king of Persia, and the letter was written in Aramaic script and translated into Aramaic language. Raham, the commander, and uh, Shimsha, Shimshai, the scribe, wrote a letter against Jerusalem to King Artaxerxes in this fashion. So, we are now well into the future to our chronological time at the beginning of chapter 4. But we'll read this because it's here and it it's informational, but this is really after the temple has been constructed. Now we're going to have opposition to the building of the walls and the building of the city. So, verse 9 says, From Rehum, the commander, Shimshai, the scribe, and the rest of their com- companions, representatives of the uh, Dinites, Dinaites, here's one for you, the Arfarkarshites, uh, the Tarpalites, the people of Persia, Erech, and Babylon, Shushan, Shushan is another word for uh, Susa, uh, the, which was the capital of the Persian Empire, the Dehavites, and the uh, Elamites and the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Osnapper and Osnapper here is another name for uh, an Assyrian commander we believe it's Ashurbanipal uh, took captive and settled in the cities of Samaria Samaria here representing the northern kingdom and the remainder beyond the river beyond the river here is Uh, the Euphrates River, and so forth. This is a copy of the letter that they sent him to King Artaxerxes from your servants, the men of the region beyond the Euphrates, and so forth. And then is probably a better, or and now is probably a better translation. Verse 12, Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem, and are building the rebellious and evil city, and are finishing its walls and repairing the foundations. So this tells us that this is a time beyond where we are in chapter 4, because they're talking about the city and the walls, and Zerubbabel is trying to rebuild the temple. The walls will be rebuilt later. Let it now be known to the king that if this city is built and the walls completed, they will not pay tax, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished. Well, they don't note that, but you know this is what they're saying. Now, because we receive support from the palace, it was not proper for us to see the king's dishonor. Therefore, we have sent and informed the king that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers. And you will find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and provinces, that they have incited sedition within the city in former times, for which cause this city was destroyed. So they're saying, you know, this used to be a great city and they were very rebellious and uh, they uh, they have uh, if they're allowed to rebuild they'll begin the sedition again and so verse 16 we inform the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river and we really are loyal to you and we we're coming to you to tell you that there's going to be trouble and uh, our intent here is uh, to save you this dishonor and loss of revenue and loss of uh, region beyond the river. Okay. The king sent an answer to Rehum, the commander, to uh, Shimshai, 
the scribe, to the rest of their companions who dwelt in Samaria and to the remainder beyond the river. Peace and now and so forth. The letter which you sent to us has been clearly read before me. And I gave the command, and a search has been made, and it was found that this city in former times has revolted against kings, and rebellion and sedition have been fostered in it. There have also been mighty kings over Jerusalem who have ruled over all that area beyond the region, beyond the river, and tax, tribute, and customs were paid to them. Now give the command to make these men cease that this city may not be built, until the command is given by me. All right. Now, again, this is not Darius. This is Artaxerxes I. So this is all the way back down here. Cease to build the walls. That's, there's no mention of the temple in here. Until the command is given by me. So this is a temporary work stoppage for the building of the wall. Take heed now that you do not fail to do this. Why should damage increase to the hurt of the kings? And why should there be a problem here for us? Verse 23. Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rahum and Shimshai, the scribe, and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and by force of arms made them cease. Now, what we believe by force of arms means here is that they came up and they broke down what part of the walls had already been built. And that's why uh, later on in uh, Nehemiah, when we read about the reconstruction of the walls, there's a lot of debris there as well, and they have to work around this debris. So that is simply, again, this parenthesis from verses 6 through 23 that talk about this this particular letter, but there were others that were written as well. And uh, verse twenty four then talks to us. Managed to lose my um, notes here. Verse 24 then says, and we resume from verse 5, thus the work of the house of God. So now we're back to the house of God. This is what, this is the focus of Zerubbabel's efforts. Thus the work of the house of of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the king of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So, It is interrupted. It's interrupted for about 15 years. We're going to see from about, no, somewhere here when they actually have gotten the foundation laid until 520. So it's going to be interrupted until about 520, and then they're going to resume resume the work, and it'll be finished in about 515. So we're going to have about 15 years' worth of of uh, interrupted work. So, let's go on to verse or to chapter 5. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idu, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel and who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shiatel and Yeshua, this is Joshua, the son of, and here we have Yozadik. Yozadik is what it's in the English. Hebrew is a Y. Uh, Yozadik rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Now, I would like to finish Ezra 5 today, but I also would like to turn over to Haggai in the Old Testament, and it's just very close to the end of the Old Testament, uh, which is just ahead of uh, Malachi, Zechariah, 
And then Haggai, you can back into it. It's the third from the end there. Haggai. And Haggai is only two chapters long. So I don't want to spend these two books, Haggai and Zechariah, are placed in here just ahead of, of Malachi. But let's look at what we have here in Haggai. Because Haggai is going to concentrate on the spiritual condition of the people, whereas Ezra talks about the physical construction. We'll go back and we'll talk about uh, the letters and the construction and what occurred there. But this is Haggai talking about the spiritual condition of Israel. And let me read through this, and I'll try to make a commentary as quick as I can, because as I said, I'd like to come back to chapter 5 in Ezra as well. In the second year... In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month. So we think if Darius begins in about 522, so we're around 520, approximately. And it says, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son to Zerubbabel. So Haggai is speaking to Zerubbabel now, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua. So this is Yeshua that we saw, Yeshua that we saw back in uh, Ezra. Same person. The son of, and then we have uh, Yehozadak. So we just have a little bit different uh, formation of the name. The high priest saying, thus speaks the Lord of hosts saying, this people says, and now this is what the people are saying, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be rebuilt. So, okay, it looks like resistance. It looks like there's all kinds of opposition here. Maybe this isn't the Lord's will. You know, maybe the Lord doesn't want the the temple rebuilt. So, let's go about our own business. You know, we can still take care of ourselves here. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins. So what they were doing is they were finding wood, you know, nice wood going up in the hills or buying it from uh, the Phoenicians, uh, Tyre and Sidon, bring it down. They're paneling their houses. Really nice houses here. What's the temple? Oh, well, the temple's over there. At least it used to be over there somewhere. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Consider your life. Consider what you're doing. Taking care of yourself very well. But your spiritual life is over here in ruins, is in shambles. And of course, you know, this is very appropriate for us today, too. Many Christians, that's exactly what's happening in their lives. They sort of give lip service to the to their spiritual life, but in reality it's in shambles. But their personal life, everything's fine. Matter of fact, They're very well off. Six, you have sown much and bring in little. So the Lord is disciplining the land. They're doing a lot of sowing, but they're not bringing in much. You eat, but you do not have enough. You eat, but you're really not satisfied. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. In other words, again, not satisfied. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. It doesn't bring warmth. They're still frustrated. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. So it's like you know, your wages are, are, are going. They're gone. It's like wearing a pair of trousers that have holes in the pockets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Again, look at how you're living your life. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much. In other words, you've got high expectations for a a harvest yield here, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, when you bring the harvest, whatever it is, I blew it away. It vanished. It was gone. Why? Says the Lord of hosts, because of my house, that it is in ruins. Well, every one of you runs to his own house. You know, you're living and working and uh, managing your own affairs very well, but my house is in ruins. And so the nation is being disciplined for that. And you're very frustrated in your life, but it's because your spiritual life 
And again, here, here we are living in the United States in the year 2012, and we're looking at our nation slowly crumbling around us. And so I think this is, we've got a direct analogy here. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, the rain, and the earth withholds its produce, its fruit, its production. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, and on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then, so, this, by the way, takes us right back to uh, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 through 30, which talks about the blessings and cursings. If you, if you're faithful, I will bless you. If you're unfaithful, I will curse you. If you're disobedient, I will curse you. And so that's what's happening here. We're seeing that played out here. The cycles or the stages of discipline. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all the remainder of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. So they resumed their fear of the Lord, their obedience here. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. In other words, why are they not building? Well, they had been discouraged and opposed by their enemies. And so, well, I guess we can't do that. They're not opposing us from building our own homes uh, and planting and having a harvest, but they're opposing us over here. So he says, I'm with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the, uh, on the, house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. And so they have now uh, begun to work on this. And we're going to see in verse in chapter 2 then, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month. And the seventh month is very special to uh, the Jewish uh, ceremonial calendar because this is the, uh, the Feast of the Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the Feast of the Tabernacle begins on the 14th day, and it's over on the 21st day. So it's interesting that in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, this would be the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, who was left among you who saw this temple in its formal, former glory? And how do you see it now? Well, in comparison, it's, it's almost nothing. And that's what it says. How do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your eyes as nothing? All right. The temple is not as grand. But what he's going to say is that I am still here. You know, the power of the Lord is not shortened. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Yes, you're disappointed that it's not, the grandeur isn't there, but I'm with you. You've rebuilt the temple, I am, I am with you, or you're rebuilding the temple. Um, says the Lord of hosts, I am with you. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And we could go back to uh, Exodus and also into uh, Deuteronomy and see those promises that the Lord says to Israel, I will be with you. Uh, I will possess the land for you. I will go before you. I am with you. So according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. And this is a prophecy of the future, 
beyond even the church age and, uh, that we have right now. And I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. I believe that this is a, a, a phrase, a name for the Lord Jesus Christ upon his return, the end of the tribulation. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now, Ask the priests concerning the law, saying, if one carries holy meat, well, let's, let me go on, let me go back to, this is, takes us into another, uh, another area that I want to, and I may address it next time. Let's go back to Ezra 5 now. Let's go back to Ezra chapter 5. We read verses 1 and 2. Now here we have, Verse 3, I think I read all of of 2, it says that the two prophets began to build the house with uh, Zerubbabel and uh, Yozadak rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. And this is uh, Haggai and Zechariah. At the time, Tatanai the governor of the region beyond the river. So he is a very, a very high-ranking governor. He is probably the, the, the governor of Syria, uh, the governor of the northern area, probably southern part of Turkey, uh, and also all of Palestine. And Shethar Boznai and their companions came to them and spoke thus to them. So again, they're starting to rebuild the temple, that's what's occurring now. Who has commanded you to build this temple and finish this wall? So the enemies had disrupted the building. Haggai and Zechariah come back and they resume the building. And now the governor of the area, for whom Zerubbabel really is subordinate and works for him, says, who has commanded you to build this temple and finish this wall? Then accordingly, we told them the names of the men who were constructing this temple, or this building. It's interesting. It says, who commanded you? Well, you know, that was uh, Cyrus actually commanded them to do it, but the response is to give them the names of the people who were actually building it. But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they would not make them cease till a report would go to Darius. So they came and said, who gave you this command? And implicit in that is, uh, you can't do this. If you don't have authorization to do it, you need to stop doing it. But it says that that they did not stop. It says the eye of their God was upon them. This is an indication of, you know, they were now not fearful because Haggai has gotten them to the point where they believe that God is with them and he is supporting them. So the sovereignty of God, the overwatch of God, the presence of God was upon the elders of of the Jews so that they could not make them cease till a report would go to Darius. So they said, you know, you send you can if you can get something from Darius to tell us to stop, then we will. Then a written answer was returned concerning this matter. This is a copy of the letter that Tatanai sent the governor of the region beyond the river, and she, uh, Shethar Boznai, and his companions, the Persians, who were in the region beyond the river to Darius the king. And this is Darius the Great, the one that we saw reign from five, about 522 to 486. Thus sent a letter to him in which was written thus, to Darius the king, all peace. Let it be known to the king that we went into the province of Judea, to the temple of the great God, which is being built with heavy stones and timber, heavy stones, and timbers being laid in the walls, and this work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands, or being successful. Then we asked those elders and spoke thus to them Who commanded you to build this temple and to finish these walls? 
We also ask them their names to inform you that we might write the names of the men who were chief among them. Verse 11, And thus they returned us an answer, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and completed. This, of course, is Solomon. But because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed the temple and carried the people away to Babylon. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to build this house of God. Notice he's called Cyrus the king of Babylon because it was Nebuchadnezzar that destroyed it, but another king, and they say he's the king of Babylon, and he is the king of Babylon because he conquered Babylon. So, another king of Babylon issued a decree to build the house of God. Also the gold and the silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple that was in Jerusalem and carried into the temple of Babylon, those King Cyrus took from the temple of Babylon, and they were given to one named Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. We've talked about this individual This is either the original uh, governor that was sent from Babylon to Israel and Zerubbabel with him and Zerubbabel replaced him. Some think it's um, Seshabar is is one and the same as Zerubbabel. It's difficult to know and it's, it's not something we really need to ferret out here. But verse 15, And he said to him, in other words, the king said to Shesh Bazar, Take these articles, go, carry them to the temple site that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its former site. Then the same Shesh Bazar came and laid the foundation of the house of God which is in Jerusalem. But from that time, even until now, it has been, it has been under, under construction, it's not been finished. In other words, we've been at this ever since Cyrus told us, and now we're... Uh, into Darius's reign. Verse 17. Now therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is so that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God at Jerusalem, and let the king send us his pleasure concerning this matter. All right. So, with all that, we now have... uh, Uh, really an official challenge, not just adversaries, but the governor has said, what's your authorization here? And so the people who work on the temple say, we have the authorization and we're going to continue to work on this unless you can get a work stoppage from the king. And so the governor sends the letter to Darius saying, this is what we've been told. They're building the temple uh, to the God of Israel out here. And they say that there is some decree from Cyrus. We're asking you to search to see if you can validate that. So, verses 4 and 5 and Haggai, and we're ready for chapter 6 next week. have to come back next week to see what Darius writes as far as whether they are authorized to continue work or not. Now, again, I think you know, the lesson for us from this is exactly what was happening in Israel, um, yes, there may be opposition to us in our spiritual life, but that's no reason for us to allow our spiritual lives to lie in ruin. We need to be truly focused on our spiritual lives, uh, be obedient to the Lord, and uh, be uh, fervent servants of Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the history of Israel and for the lessons that, that we can learn from it. Help us to realize that you, yes, you are with us, and yes, you do desire our service. And help us not to have our eyes so much on ourselves, our own production, our own harvest, but also, Father, to be obedient to you and our service to you. We pray for our nation. We pray, Father, that... Uh, we would have rulers, that you would give us rulers that um, would be 
more understanding of biblical principles and facilitate uh, the accomplishment of those biblical principles upon which na- this nation was founded. And so, Father, we, we are in a very precarious time in our nation. We pray, Father, that um, the truth of what is occurring in this nation would be understood by the populace and certainly by those who are believers and that we would um, make the right decisions, that the lies that are often being told and propagated about what's happening in this nation would be understood and that the truth would prevail. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.